You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. Hello, can everybody still hear us? Yeah, it's on my page too. Excellent. I'm getting I'm getting audio levels through the system. Perfect. What's going on, Andy, Levi? I'll try to keep this updated. Let's see where everybody's watching from too. Yep. Were you guys watching, listening? It's so cool to see when we start these live videos to, to see the how many where everybody's at. Oh, they're all and over the US uh, and all over the world sometimes. Yeah. We get like New Zealand and all sorts yes. of fun stuff. Mickey says I'm sweet. Hey, yep. so you know, podcast for 2020 been uh, kind of funny because uh, you know, the pandemic and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we usually had a lot of guests that would come in from all over, or we'd go visit, or we'd go visit them. But that's kind of put to a halt. Josh is 45 minutes from here, so we pestered him enough to come hang out with mm-hmm. us when we do these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Smithville it's, it's Lake, such a bother. Oh yeah, <laughs> Smithville Lake is not too far from here. No, not on? at all. If but you're on the I lake. S- hopefully, you're catching fish. I saw some. I saw some PA, some North Carolina, some Oregon, yeah. St. Louis. There's yeah. another PA. Yeah. Yeah. Illinois. Owen. Owen's the New Zealand guy. Yeah, Owen Miller. You got a New Zealand guy? Oh yeah, yeah he used to check in every podcast, but his season just ended like yeah. a month ago. He, so. would, he would be uh, like early morning hunting, like like, hmm. and then jump in on the po- on podcasts when we'd post or live videos mm-hmm. when we jump in at like five o'clock. Well, yeah, because. Yeah, five o'clock at night. He, it's like five in the morning there. Owen oh, Miller, you got a you got a shout out on the Rogers podcast. Yes, and so. he's in the wrong hemisphere too. Oklahoma, Texas, California, New York. Nice, California. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the strong chance we have a pandemic on some geese this year. Fact. Well, um, we're going to jump into some stuff. This is a Q and A podcast. Uh, um, Josh had put out a post earlier about some questions that you, mm-hmm. that you guys have for us. If you have any good questions, throw them in here on the live uh, comment area. And uh, if you guys have gotten to big ducks before we roll this, jump into some uh, some good questions here. If you guys have gotten to some big ducks, go ahead and hit the heart button. And uh, we're pretty pumped. We got a little bit. Josh, you're, you've got a little taste, and me and Aaron yeah. are still chomping at the bit. We mm-hmm. got a little bit before we get going. You want to go into this question? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I put out a thing on Instagram asking you guys for questions to cover in this podcast live stream deal. And we're going to start this one off with this question. This guy's wanting to know what the best tool at Marshes is for keeping your stuff dry. He says he doesn't have a sled, but he feels like it's a must. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, if you're yeah in waist deep or chest deep water, and you're going to be there for a while, I mean, yeah, jet sled. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming it doesn't have a boat or a sled or yeah. any type of floating craft to, mm-hmm. to keep things dry. That's what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's know, so many sizes of them too. So, yeah. so when I sometimes you have to limit yourself, but in that scenario, a lot of times I really try to limit my stuff, my gear, to whatever I can fit in my waders, in my hunting jacket, and in my pockets. So, I mean, these hunting jackets nowadays, you can really fit a lot of gear in there as far Mm -hmm. as in our waders. I mean, the elite waders, you can fit 25 rounds in the, in the the two belt Mm -hmm. pouches and the the front chest pouch or front chest waiter loops Mm -hmm. or shell loops. You can fit 25 rounds and there's also dump pockets everywhere. Same thing with some, you know, like a, like a, the banded jackets that we have or, uh, most jackets out there, there's plenty of dump pockets right here that mm-hmm. you kind of flap open. You can store um, shot shells. That's I think the weight there. But then you have your duck calls on your your neck. What else? What else are we not trying to keep dry here? Well, an extra piece of clothing is the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I carry so much camera gear, so I have to have stuff stay dry because cameras and water don't really mix. But realistically, you need calls, your gun, shells, decoys. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? That's a, no, that's about it. That's all you I mean, need. That's, yeah. that's all you absolutely I mean, need. Snacks and stuff can fit in pockets. I just try to get everything, you know, or I don't have to have a bag. Mm-hmm. I think it can be done. Um, kind of, it maybe could be bulky, but you might have to limit yourself with all the extra stuff you bring. Mm-hmm. All the, all the, um, what do we call them? Not the essentials, but yeah, the luxuries. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and we did talk about. 
um, earlier, just you know, kind of looking through the questions. If you're close to a tree, there is a ton of blind bags or you know backpacks mm-hmm. that's strapped to a tree from Sitka, from Final Approach. I mean, Banded probably has some that you can buckle to a tree and keep everything out of the water, and you can still yeah, you can bring your blind mm-hmm. bag and that and a lot of, like a backpack or something like the Sitka or FA one you strap to the tree, then you can put your jacket if it gets too warm in there and keep it dry. We got a couple comments. Stacy says coffee, and Matt says snacks for the fat guys. Yeah, that's I mean that's a necessity really. So yeah, coffee is a necessity. Otherwise, people don't want to be around. So, me, I promise. You know, I was thinking <laughs> coffee. Well, how would you do that? You know, Camelback. You know, on your on your backpack with the I mean that right there. I mean that's a lot heavy. of coffee. It'd be heavy. Where would you put I have that? I have an eighteen. Where would you put that if you're in the marsh? I mean, I have Some, the I small have, one. I've put my coffee thermos mm-hmm. inside my waders. It keep you warm. Keeps you warm, <laughs> but I I, don't, I wouldn't want to walk with it. Yeah. But if I'm just standing there hanging mm-hmm. out, sticking it in in there is great. Having a coffee cup that doesn't spill is key. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I first started duck hunting, we were hunting some of these refuges, and it was like. There's no places to put your stuff down other than to hang it in a tree. And I had this old backpack, and I used to just wiggle it onto a tree branch and have yep. it stay up there. There's always a way, um, but there's also stuff on the market now where you so. can either throw something around a tree and hang it on that, or uh, they have bags that actually just strapped to the trees. Yep. But Timber bags and what whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, also, really like, I really like dry bags. Yeah. Dry bags. Yeah, like um, a PVC a good, welded style bag. A good bag. PVC welded dry bag. You know, if it's got a good seal, you probably you can probably have that sitting in the water. Yeah, you're literally sitting on the water because it'll hold air, it'll float. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have that for a lot of camera gear in the mm-hmm. kayak because you yep. never know when something might happen. Yep. Or uh, you throw a jacket in there, and all. Yep. I use when I'm taking a kayak out, or now my layout boat. I'm just using that dry bag as my blind bag, so yep. I fit everything that I need to in that dry bag. Yeah. Um. Just a. F- the funny uh, redneck idea: If you had an old Magnum decoy, you could like solve all a little cup holder in it or something. You just keep that right next to you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, that's a great idea. Just yeah, just a little old Flambeau Magnum you had mm-hmm. in the back of the shed forever. Pull it out, cut a cut a circle hole, and you set your coffee in there. Or like, and even, then you can even shove snacks in there too. Like a goose decoy, you just chop the chop the back off, and then you've got this like floating shelf like shelf tray. table tray <laughs> thing just uh, spray paint the stuff f- yeah spray paint the foam black get a foam filled and then you can like literally just cut a hole so it's got a cup holder you set it in and then like now a little talking. square hole the foam filled there's pieces. a lot of other options besides cutting holes and decoys so yes. i like not- where this is going though <laughs> yes <laughs> this sounds like a fun idea for a video that would be interesting to have, like, yo, I got my little shelf here, or got my accessories. Maybe you had a couple of them. You're like, yeah. Yeah, you, you, like, have a spot for your shells to sit in the box. And then, like, maybe you could put a hinge on there with Velcro to where you can Velcro the back down. Kind of like the back of a mojo, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So a guy on Facebook was talking about, like, what do you do with your gun? Um, and he said something about he he might have a PVC gun holder or a floating gun holder or something like that um i mean i always use some, a sling yeah mm-hmm. well, i mean if yeah sometimes you you know if you get kind of tired of your gun on your shoulder all the time but you gotta you, you gotta do what you gotta do when you're sitting out in the sometimes the best hunts are in the middle of the marsh if you can get a low profile hunt um or a low profile blind in the in the middle of a marsh man it can be a, it can be a blast but you might not have any trees next to you or whatnot if you if you decide to take out a mo marsh and visit man um it's like a like a half layout blind on you know on extended feet that can adjust to the water level. You could pack in, you know, put little things inside your that layout blind and like your coffee and everything we just talked about. So you can get a blind potentially to hold all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, you know, hopefully you got some type of cover because that's the main thing you need out there in the in the middle of a marsh with nothing around you. Yeah. So I, I'd say to answer that question, the best thing to keep stuff dry is definitely a sled. Uh, if you can just Take yeah. it in there, put your stuff in it, tuck it away. It'll keep your stuff dry. Yeah, and uh, if you can, you know, find the jet sled that's camo sometimes helps because mm-hmm. an all black one, you, you know, you got to figure out how to hide it, which is I've done that before. I mean, some 3D nylap or, you know, burlap yeah. of some sort will cover that up, you know, or you can leave, you can go move it away from you if you, if you don't really need the stuff right next to you. You can move the sled away and then throw some decoy bags on top. It's kind of brown. It doesn't really jump out at you at you or you can take some cover from around that area and just just drop it on top um 
Do you want to go on one you got there, or do you want to go on this field mallard question we got? Uh, let's do this one. So uh, choose one motion decoy for your spread and why. Pulsator or for agitator? Me, yeah, for me, it's definitely going to be a water motion, something like that. Either, yeah. Yeah, duck one of those butt, two. bilge pump. Yeah, whether you go pulsator or agitator, that's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, same. I'd go with that. Yep. I think water that. motion is way better than any spinning. Do you lane. think so? That, I mean, we just talked about motorized, like something with the battery. What do you think about a jerk cord? Is that? I think is that more important. That's multiple a, decoys. A, a jerk rig. I think a jerk rig is a great option because it cuts down on some of the weight, and you can pack it away in your blind bag. A pulsator, they're going to be a little bigger, a little heavier, and uh, they're not legal in all states either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Josh. Unfortunately. Is, this guy, it almost sounds like Aaron Jones. It's Aaron James saying that you should cut a hole in your decoy and put a GoPro in it. I don't know how good the camera angle would be. I'd rather just like stick it on the back of one, then I can adjust. Mm-hmm. We've done uh, we've done some uh, homemade uh, stakes, GoPro, yeah. GoPro stakes. Cause but then the decoy would move too, so that kind of yeah. get a little. Be funny. Seasick. We put some we put some GoPros on some homemade stakes in the middle of a fr- mm-hmm. in the middle of a spread. Like, super low. They don't really stand out. I've always thought about doing that, but I'm scared they're going to get shot. Yeah. 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 You just got to make sure that nobody does any ground swatting. Mm-hmm. I've done it in a field, but never in water. Yeah. So, we've all said, like, a duck butt water motion spray. Some type, of, you know, that's probably all of our... But I'd, I think that I think that'd be that'd be it. If I had... If I had one, or if I could only use that one, that would be that would be the one. Mm-hmm. Um, swimmers, I don't think they move enough water. Yeah, spinners. I mean, you you can use a spinner. I've seen them work really well, but I think water motion definitely works a lot better than a spinner. Yeah. So up here we had a. Uh, what do we use for a field mallard hunt? So. I know you said you've got a couple of those under your belt, some good ones. Mm-hmm. Goose decoys. And that was going to be what I was going to go after. Goose um, decoys and spinners, that's about all you need. Full-body ducks are nice to put out there, but yeah. not necessary. How many were you running? I mean, some of my first field mallard hunts, I was running two dozen Bigfoots and one Mojo. And? And decoyed them in. Yeah. But it, without the Mojo, I mean, the ducks won't won't do it. You were telling me about that property north of here that you guys got in some field mallards uh, or was it canada's it's canada's honkers it was a honkers mm-hmm. were you talking about the ducks were coming in was it post duck season when um, you're you saying something about right off the right off the river you had right at right at sunset or were you guys no you guys were picking up yeah we were picking up and yeah, yeah i mean it was just hundreds of greenheads trying to drop in after we'd already shot our limit okay but we it was we were on the x and we had Maybe, I think we maybe had a dozen and a half full body mallards, and we shot our limit in forty five minutes. I mean, that's only eight eight birds, four green heads apiece. But mm-hmm. I mean, they were still trying to come in, and it's Jeez. just we happened to be on the X that how, day. How many spinners were you using? One or two. One or two, and then eighteen full body mallards. Yeah, you don't you X. don't need much when you're when you're sitting there right where they want to be at. Yeah, or you don't right need where much. they have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were using spinners. One, one. And at that point, but last year I went on a field hunt and we had like five or six spinners, mm-hmm. two to three dozen full body ducks and about five to six dozen Canada geese. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that a lot, that type of spread, exactly what you just talked about, uh, but not everybody can afford. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Know, six dozen geese. As long you know, as you're where dozen. the ducks want to be, mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, a few dozen goose decoys and a spinner yeah. and you're good to go. One thing I like to do is keep the spinner levels low. Um, just about the you know the head height of the decoys or so, uh, maybe a little bit up, but not too. You don't want them on six foot or eight foot poles or anything like that. Is something that I've I've noticed, and could be different for anybody. But the low a low uh, spinner would be my choice there. What else we got on there? Hmm. Let's see. Keep the questions coming, guys. Is that refreshed? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Got some people watching from Tennessee. Germany.
And yeah, and the guy just jumped in on the uh, the field thing. He was talking about uh, got silhouettes or something um, that are something that would if you full bodies are kind of out of the budget or if you're just mm-hmm. trying to get more numbers or whatever, you know, there's, there's silhouette option out with maybe mixed with some full body ducks or silhouette ducks or something like that. Oh, okay. Here's a good one. I think it's kind of written a little funny, but I think he's asking on the details of a, de- a decoy, like the color details, the paint and all that. Do you think the ducks notice it before they get shot? Like, how closely do you think a duck analyzes the decoy itself when it's decoying? I think the hunters analyze it more than the ducks. <laughs> oh, we could do a good job about that. We analyze decoys every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because everybody wants to to see to see and to see uh, decoy mm-hmm. analyzed on a video and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe decoy positioning would would trump that like it would you know before the paint job I think the amount not amount but like the realistic amount and the spread setup might be more important than actual detail of the decoy. Now I do think to some extent the paint does matter because we've had lots of people comment and write in and say that if they throw mallards and pintails out or mallards and wood ducks or mallards and teal the mallards will land with the mallards. The teal will land with the teal, or the wood ducks mm-hmm. will land. And so, I think that. to some extent, obviously, it's got to. I mean, it's got to play some role in it because yeah, they're they know, picking they, out their like species. Yeah, so they know. Yeah, they know which is which. It's got to pay. Mm-hmm. It's got to play a little bit of a role, but to some extent, whether you know what the primaries look like on one decoy compared to the next, if yeah. the paint's a little different, or you know. So I mean, if it's a, if it's an old. Uh, if it's an older decoy that's faded and paint chipped, you know, mm-hmm. would that flare over top something that's brand new? Um, I mean, maybe at a certain newer and brighter is going to pop more, but yeah. as far as other than that, you know, yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of people shooting them over milk jugs that are painted mm-hmm. black. That is correct. Yeah, and people hunt geese over tires cut in half with two by fours stuck to their front to look like heads. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the the difference might be is how how low you want them. You know, the guys hunting over tires or whatever, are they getting below 50 yards? You know, are they just getting them into that certain range and then that's it? They take them, they don't let them swing multiple times. Because I think on a tire, you let geese start swinging them, I, I, I'd i be worried. They pick they, you apart? They, they just pick you apart and head out. I mean, I know they pick you apart in the blind and the hide, which is mm-hmm. what we call the most, we'd say the most important part. Um, Coke bottles probably, you know. If, you know, if these ducks are real weary and, wanting to try to circle you and sit on top of the blind and kind of stuff, they might not make it below 80 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, it might just depend on how pressured the ducks have been yeah. and where you're hunting. So if you're where they want to be and they regularly visit that area every day, I would say that your decoy detail doesn't necessarily matter as much as if you're in a heavily pressured public land area with birds that see decoys and spinners every single day of the week then that might come into play. You know, and I've, you know, you can work a group great if you have a good hide, and then sometimes for some reason they land on the outside of your spread mm-hmm. just a little bit longer. You know, maybe the the decoy quality or, or the, you know. The realism. Would maybe mm-hmm. promote those decoys to, or those birds, live birds, to land inside the decoys for that perfect shot, you know, the 20-yard, mm-hmm. 25-yard shot where you're in your face and, you know, you, you got a big grin. Um, sometimes when they kind of, they look like they're going to do it in the last minute, they just kind of scoot out and they hit the edge of it. You know, you could probably still bag some, you can probably still bag a good amount if you're a good shot, but sure. maybe jumping right into that perfect, perfect kill hole. Is, so is, Matt's got a good question here. He said, what's the biggest mistake most make? Do you think it's too few or too many decoys? Does it depend on the area? My opinion would be not working on their hide well enough. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> that would be. That would I think the biggest mistake is you you cut corners on you cover like you're blind or wherever you're going to be and then you worry too much on the decoys or the mm-hmm. y- you focus on other areas because there's been times where I've had six dozen decoys out and I'm man why aren't the birds they're just not working and then I get out in the decoys and I look back at where I'm at and I'm like oh that could be a good point and then there's been times where I've had like we said we had our br- blinds our layout blinds in that field. We had those things brushed in with so much corn. They they were we were in tractor ruts, so we were low, 
And I mean, with 18 decoys and a spinner, we just had birds piling on us. Mm-hmm. But we just happened to set up in those truck, uh, those tractor ruts with our blinds. I mean, and it just, it's the hide to me. Yeah. So what's second? Mm. So he, he kind of asked about decoys. Um, you know, we, we said the hide was first on the list. Get your hide done the best. And and, and the point to that too, don't think about your hi- height or your hide at, you know, your perspective as a horizontal perspective. Yeah. Think about where they're coming from above mm-hmm. you um if you have a you know great front to back hide you know but you have a black hole mm-hmm. or like a big you know spot where they can see you know the bodies and, the, and everything like that think about that if you can get any type of cover above you maybe if it's natural if it's a tree with its leaves still on or if you have you know the prop in you know, a blind like a like say a rogers goosebuster three man if like josh uses if you have good grass that kind of goes over the top and you can kind of fall into there mm-hmm. where you kind of disappear you got to play the shadows, too. Yeah, exactly. If you can hide in a shadow, it's definitely going to be a lot better. Yeah. Because that black hole looks more natural from a shadow, like under a tree or something, than to have a big black hole in the middle of a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Or a swamp or something like that. Yeah. But a decoys, too few, too many. It depends on, I think it depends on what birds you're hunting that day. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're stale, you got to be as realistic, realistic as you can be. I think... Uh, migrating days we have a, a blast on some places where we put out a bunch of decoys and the migrating birds just don't care they see 120 decoys out there and they're they're in for it but after those migrating days those 120 decoys don't really look that real no i wouldn't no mm-hmm. you know so if you're hunting stale birds maybe less is more be cautious on your spinner less um, better looking decoys. there you go or less bigger decoys, mm-hmm. you know, over a little bit oversized. And that's stuff. what we were talking about yesterday. What's more important, more decoys, maybe more smaller decoys, or better looking bigger decoys? Mm-hmm. You know, so I try to try to think about your birds before you go out there and hunt. Mm-hmm. Another mistake would be peeking. Yeah, having that face shine. Yeah, everybody likes to look. It's the best part. Yeah, you know, and, and if you're calling, sometimes you got to keep an eye on them. But mm-hmm. you got to do it with your peripherals, and you got to do it kind of with a head down, with a kind of a, you know, yeah, like when, look. with my group, I'm usually the one calling the birds and doing all that, and so I'm usually the one peeking, and you got to be really careful about that. But as long as you kind of keep your head down, keep your hat bill shadow on your face, you're usually pretty good. Yeah. And even when it's cold, I'm always wearing like a ball cap, and then if I got to throw a stocking cap over it, that's fine. But I always like something over my eyes. Mm-hmm. Even when it's frigid cold and I want to wear a stocking cap, throw it over the ball cap. I always want something to hide my eyes Adds and to my face. Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Shadows are your best hide. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think we covered that one. Um, before we jump into some of my, yours, Josh, there's a good one up here about kind of apprenticeship hunts. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have any ideas for that. Uh, Depends on the state. Every yeah. state has a, a little bit different rules and regulations on that so well he's looking it looks like the question is he's trying to you know he hasn't done it before he's trying to get connected to get out okay. there and do it man i would say forums on social media forums and groups i think facebook groups are mm-hmm. could be could be a great way to connect i mean you just you got to put yourself out there and be hey man i don't i don't i have never done this before um local I'm, du chapter yeah i might have waiters and mm-hmm. in, in some shells and a gun but i don't have a decoy spread or whatever mm-hmm. maybe you do have a little decoy spread and you just you know you're you need some some guidance on how to do things mm-hmm. i would say facebook groups would be mm-hmm. the, the way and if anybody and you know watching this now you know feel free to reply to his his question there yeah you know absolutely help the guy out if he's trying to get into it yeah, yeah. i mean you can learn so much on the internet now yeah with duck mm-hmm. hunting because there's so much stuff out there now but I still think you learn more being in the field with somebody who's done it oh, time absolutely. and time yeah. after time. And having that experience is definitely important. Or you could watch those crazy YouTube guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy guys. <laughs> those guys don't know anything. So I took a, I took a new guy out Amateur. hunting this year, and uh, he, we got to see some uh, – our big duck season isn't open yet, but we got to see some gadwalls before – or really early on. And uh, I got to teach him how to work him in. He has been practicing his, practicing his duck call for a while, and he's got a, he's got the quack figured out, starting to figure out the cadence. But he didn't know exactly like when to call, maybe how to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he got to he got to land about six, seven, eight gadwalls in the in the spread. It wasn't we couldn't shoot them, but it was it was teal season. But he got to 
work them on the corners. And I told him, I would tell him, in his, you know, hit him here, hit him there. And I would kind of mimic the sound I want him to make. And he would do that. And we did that. They circled three or four times and came right in. It was pretty cool for him to see him actually do that. Because last year, he went with me two or three times and he didn't have a call or he was just there, you know, with the with the shotgun. Yeah. This year, he actually got to do it. And I didn't help him out at all. I told him what to do and when to do it. That was, that was a blast. Um, so I think getting connected with someone like that could really help you get, go through the motions and, and start to figure it out for then you can, you can do stuff, solo hunts or kind of do it with some of your other friends and stuff like that. So I got a question from one of my guys. He's asking, what's the best time to hunt geese? What do you guys think? Cause there's so many different times of year during the season to hunt geese. What's your favorite? And like what do you think is... Are you talking time of day or just... just time of year. Like time, time of, year. of year, weather conditions, that kind of thing. Because <clears throat> I, I can think of two instances where I'd like to hunt geese. I would say the best time if you want, like, a, not like a sure deal, but odds are good. If you guys, wherever you're at, have an early goose season, that's usually... I mean, that's not money, but it's usually pretty good. If you've got a decent spot, early goose seasons are usually a little easier, I would say, if you've got a decent spot. You have to have the X, though. I almost disagree if you don't have the X. Those early season birds are a pain in the butt. They're smart. You can't run traffic on them. If they, well, you know, yeah. If they, don't, if they ain't going there, mm-hmm. if they haven't been there, if they're not, it's not a casual. That's so you, know, you got to have the spot. You if you've have got the spot. the spot, early season is, I mean, it's, Yeah. but other than that, I like mornings better than evenings for hunkers. You know, some of that, you know, so many times, uh, not not talking time of year, but the time of day is just depending on the pattern. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out when these birds, because, you know, when you get into goose season, some, you know, who knows when they get up. Sometimes they fly once a day. Sometimes they fly twice a day. Sometimes and w- it's just yeah, in the morning. And you need to be there for that. The evening. So that that's huge on scouting. Uh, I do think that it, the fu- a fun time to be goose hunting is when you get your first major freeze where the small ponds get frozen. Mm-hmm. Because some of those birds who've been just, even if you have a warm, a warm early goose, like the early part of your goose season, like your, your big goose and goose season, if it's pretty warm, you know, these geese are everywhere in all sorts of different fields mm-hmm. and golf courses and whatnot. Like we talk about kind of for ducks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when, when those smaller ponds and areas freeze up and they kind of have to concentrate Going to fields more, feeding more, it's getting colder. That type of stuff is when it really turns on fire, I think. Well, you had two. So my two favorite times to hunt geese is, one, um, when it gets cold. When it gets really cold and you get a good pattern on them, they're f- visiting the same fields all the time. That's really fun because you can, you can pattern them really well. So then you can plan your hunt and be where they want to be. My second one is right after or right during a warm-up so it's everything's locked up with ice and things start warming up you throw an ice ripper in a pond and open that thing up before all the other ponds open other than where they're roosted that gets fun yeah and i've done that style of hunt quite a bit without an ice ripper but it just requires more work Mm -hmm. we've gone out there with axes and went around and cut a huge hole you know, it took us quite a while. And yeah. A lot, you're sweating because it's cold out and you're in heavy coats and then you start doing that and you start sweating. It's, you know, at the time you might hate it, but I look back and I enjoy every bit of it. But It's worth the work. Yeah. It's so much fun because they just, I, I personally feel like geese are just a lot stupider over water. They decoy a lot better in my opinion. I mean, they, they, they do enjoy it. They probably spend most of their lives on water. Yeah. More than they do on dry ground. Yeah, they're safe out there. Any, let's see. What do, what do we got? We got two up there. Or Did you have any more? We might. Let's so Taylor, you get one. I mean, we'll, we'll, the last one here is suggestions on permission um, from landowners. You know, Josh, I know you've... I've done my fair share. Yep. You just... I'd say the best thing to do is just knock on the door. Oh, you say, got, hey. You don't get permission if you don't go ask, right? answer is always no. Unless Boom. Owen, Owen. Yep. Hold on, guys. Owen Miller, Miller just jumped in. From New Zealand. We were talking about you at the beginning of this, Owen. Yeah. We're so. getting all fired up because our duck seasons are just getting going, and yours ended about a month ago. Yeah. So, I mean, permissions, you don't you don't get an answer if you don't ask. But Yeah. I look, mean, you can knock on 10 doors. The first nine are no, and the 
last one's a yes, and you're on top of the world. Yep. I will mm-hmm. say look presentable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe your Sunday best kind of thing. You know, be courteous. Courteous, polite, be presentable. Yeah. They're people too. Yeah. You know, and there's some other things too, like if you talk about helping them, you know, you know, clean some fence lines up or, you know, things exactly. like that that don't, it's not I mean, a huge deal, but it's something to help um, that be maybe more apt to, to let you, to, to use it for hunting, you mm-hmm. know, and that I've listened to, you know, heard on the meat eater podcast guys talking about getting permission to go squirrel hunting first. Yeah. And then it turns into deer hunting, you know, you know. Or a farmer too, if you're like, hey, I can get rid of some coyotes. Yep. <laughs> they love that. And then that relationship builds and then, you know, and, and the farmer knows that you're a good person. You shut your gates and you don't run up the fields or thing like things like mm-hmm. that. And then all of a sudden that can open up. Um, you know, you know painting, painting some purple, you know, poles and stuff like that, doing some work like that is kind of, I think, is a fun way to, to help them, you know. Sure. Offer to do that and then maybe you, now you can get trespassers off the property too. Mm-hmm. And, you know. If they give you hunting access, you're just getting other people off your hunting property. Correct. Or your place your hunt. Um, I once said it's getting ready for deer season. Yeah. <laughs> Firm handshake and a box of beer. I see that quite a bit. Yep. Could be some cold beer. Could be some uh, some whiskey or something like that. Box of lattes. Yeah. And <laughs> you got one? I'm mad about that. No. Did you have a question? A question? Yes. You were scrolling through. I might. So what do you guys think about mixing decoy species and decoy spreads? Do you do that? Do you not do that? How do you like to put them out if you do? Well, I've done both, really. Yeah, I do, you know. I do, and it kind of depends on the year. When it gets later in the season, I uh, tend to really, really focus more on just mallards. Um when it's when it's late December for us, that's about all we're seeing in our in my in the flyway I hunt. Um, some flyways are different. Um, you got know your flyway. Um, if you're over in the west, you're just you know you could be running all sorts of widgeons and pintails and stuff like that. Here, where I you know starting the season out, I do a lot of mallards and and I'll have a lot of gadwalls and stuff mixed in, and we put black ducks out maybe for color. Mm-hmm. We have some pintails, but we don't have a ton. I mean, the ratio is very stacked in the mallard side. Um, I think it depends, too, on what you're hunting. If you're hunting, like, a small pond or something like that, you're not going to be throwing out a slug of ringnecks and canvasbacks and redheads. But if you're hunting a giant lake, yeah, I mean, divers are a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're not going to get divers on a small pond, but the likelihood of where you're hunting could I mean, mean a difference of what you're throwing because yeah. there's been times. Now, we've had, we've hammered canvas backs or, or not canvas back, gold knives over a mallard spread, but. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Those are, I have so many gold knives that day. Yeah. <laughs> it was gold knives everywhere. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's not like if you don't have divers out, you're not going to shoot a diver, but. But knowing your flyway is, I think, a big thing because I kind of just throughout the year, the beginning of the year, I do have a lot of brown ducks. Mm-hmm. In my spread, they're not all you know, a lot of, a lot of hen pintails and hen widge and gadwalls and and the gray ducks and, and a lot of hens out, and then later towards the year, some of my all drake packs come out, and there's a lot more greenheads. Um, but it just depends on depends on the time of year, and I I tweak and I adjust as it goes by. What do you do? Do you? I mean, I mainly just hunt over mallards. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of variety. Early in the season, I use my teal decoys. They get their use from like teal season all the way up until maybe middle of November or so, and then I switch over to just using mallard decoys. But I I haven't noticed a difference between like only using mallard decoys and having two dozen mallard decoys, half a dozen pintail decoys, and some widgeon and teal decoys mixed in. Like I haven't noticed a difference with that. Yeah. No so, season for deer. Yeah, I wouldn't said there's no season. It's just twenty four seven all year round. I need to make a trip to New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, and I'm fixing to send you a DM. <laughs> so you're saying twenty four seven? That might be yeah. night too. Anyways, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> hunting deer with thermal. On. Hunting deer with thermal cameras. Yeah, it's it's different rules out there for sure. So Dave just jumped in and said that he's got a ten ten black duck, five mallard, three pintail, 
in a kill hole, no spinning wing, shaker butt. If it's calm, that's his late season. That's his late season spread. So well, I like it, man, because those those black ducks are going to pop on pop. the water. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, but you can get a hold of some fully flocked ones. Yeah, so like dark. ABNX makes a flock up uh, fully flocked. Yep. FA makes a fully flocked. Yep. So yeah, you don't have any black ducks, do you yet? Mm-mm. Well, dang, we sell some. <laughs> you sell a lot of decoys. <laughs> yes, that's a fact. Yeah, that, sell old and, squad decoys. Apparently, yeah. Um, Better get you a six pack. Dave said he'd just rather yeah. hunt all black ducks. I wonder what flyway he's in. Hey, throw. Uh, yeah, Dave, what flyway are you yeah. in? What do we got next year? Because we have running out of stuff on mine. Really? Mm-hmm. Chandler, we've probably missed a few. Maybe you think not. so? I mean, we got these pressured birds on Public Lake. Let's talk about that for a second. How many reservoirs do you hunt? Quite a few. Quite a few. What in a certain time of the year are you seeing? Are you seeing ducks landing in the center, way out there? Mm-hmm. I mean that happens pretty frequently. Yeah. Have you ever tried to combat that? You know, I've never tried to, but I've really thought about it. But something about anchoring down a kayak in the middle of a reservoir doesn't sound like a smart idea. Yeah. Well, don't you don't you have that sneak boat now? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but do you think they'd notice like a big clump of grass out in the middle? Hey, I, I no, <laughs> not <knows>? necessarily. <laughs> if they just got there, if they're migrating, if they have no idea what's going on, they they might not care. I mean, you'd think wouldn't they notice a big chunk of grass out in the middle of the field and you know frame style blinds you or know. fast strike style blinds? It works. Yeah. So I don't know. I think you've got that sneak but button then, now. But then you got to worry about getting the long lines out because the water's deeper than your yeah, normal decoy rigs. you got to figure out how to anchor your boat and be able to unanchor it so then you can go and retrieve your birds. So first world problems. I know. <laughs> it's so much easier to just go and set up along the bank. Yeah. You know, so Brian posted this question. That's It's a, it's a big commitment if you're going to do that long line in and, and gang, yeah, gang it is. all it, that gang rigging stuff. It'd be fun. Yeah. But it'd be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. A lot of equipment that you don't normally have. Yeah. So it'd be a commitment. Um, to be quite honest, we, uh, to, for us, when we hunt in a reservoir, we combat that with more decoys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the solution. More decoys. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying the answer, like we talked about earlier, is more decoys. It is not the answer. Um, That's just what we've when done. When we go out and hunt marshes and hunt places that, you know, you know, we we like to pit, be selective on our decoys, not as much good-looking decoys, maybe a little bit oversized decoys, and that's kind of how we go. Now, on a reservoir, sometimes it's as many hot buys as you can fit out in the lake, and they're tied to strings and little concrete weights made out of solo cups, all sorts of fun stuff. It's, uh, it's quite the hunt scenario and style, but we try to look like a huge migrating pod of ducks. So when those migrating days are when those ducks get pressured a little bit that more the more ducks is kind of it helps them get a little bit closer you know if you're hunting with a with you know two or three dozen it's going to be hard to pull in a a big big group of ducks that are flying over a reservoir they're going to land out in the middle and Mm -hmm. hang out yeah and you'll get to watch them for a little bit which is just terrible so this has me thinking about this one time like four or five years ago uh one of our reservoirs like completely locked up with ice there's like three four inches of ice and the ducks had these little holes where they kept it open. Well, one of the holes was right in front of a blind that we were hunting all year. Perfect. We, we smacked them on there. But there was also this other hole out in the middle of the reservoir. Like, it probably wasn't very deep. I know I can walk across that part. It's kind of like a big mud flat. And I was thinking, why don't I go out there with a few decoys, throw them in that hole, get a snow cover for a layout blind, lay on the ice. Yep. It'd be a little scary, though. Yeah. It would be. I don't know if four inches of ice is enough to do that. Not comfortably. But it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could just stand out there in the ice hole. <laughs> yeah. So, could so do that. Dave was is from the he's got the Atlantic flyway. Yeah. So that's that makes sense on the the black the ducks. black ducks mm-hmm. absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So Jeff over here's got a fourteen thirty six low John boat the beaver tail blind looking to put a long tail motor on it mud motor Mm -hmm. long tail same thing right Mm -hmm. Um, any idea 
what size he should run. So 1436, 14-footer. Is that right? 36? 36 inches wide. wide yeah. 14-foot long. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of jumped into a little bit of yeah. a motor game. So I got the uh, six-and-a-half horse from PPF, and I think it would work on a 1436 pretty well. But you might – it might not be enough power to really get you. It just depends on how fast you want to go. Um, any of those long tails above six horsepower would get you where you need to go. No guarantees on how fast you'd get there. But um, I'd say definitely a six and a half or above would be perfect for that. Yep. Depend. It, it just depends on how fast you really want to go. Yeah, someone jumped in with a uh, 23 horsepower backwater. Yeah. I mean, that'll so be – that seems that'd, like a good, that'd pretty be a, good. That'd be a good, I'd say 23. Yeah. Six and a half is pretty small. What are the what are the sizes? 23 is an odd one for me. I'm just used to boat motors. I don't know. Nine nines and 15s, 25s, I 35s. Think like a 14. I really don't know. All I was looking at was like the smallest ones I could get for those little boats. This it looks like he's running a 6.5 on his 1436. So, Yeah. And it just comes down to how fast you want to go. Yeah, and if true, if you if you're if you're working in marshes and stuff, and you don't have any big water chop or anything like that to to go through, I mean, this that's what these boats are for. Mm-hmm. Um, how fast you really need to go? If you ain't first, you're last. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, but you're last <laughs> if you get run up on a tree stump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't. Do, you haven't done that yet, have you? I did. Hey, you did? Uh, yeah, I've done it. That was kind of scary in the, in the <laughs> beaver tail. Let me tell you. You're just cruising down this little back river channel and clunk, and you're stuck. So I had to get my kayak paddle out and push myself off. That was kind of scary because um, you, you could feel it under the boat because the bottom of the boat's not super thick, and it's kind of flexible. So you could feel the tree stump underneath you. But also feeling your motor hit a tree stump is not the best feeling either. No. But the motor I've got, it's got a, like a – I don't remember what it's called. It's got this little plate that protects the prop, and that usually bounces up and comes over it. Yeah. Thank goodness. Looks like he has been running a 9.9. Nine, um, Outboard, so, probably. And if, you, if you're if you unhappy with your 9.9, nine, I would go higher than – I would mm-hmm. go 14 or 23. 23 sounds fun. Um, He got stuck on a stump this weekend, or Jake did. So that's fun. I mean, I've – grandfather's got a lake house on Lake Fork – which is full of trees, and this is on the bass fishing side. Mm-hmm. But fiberglass boat out there, even going at idle speed, you run up on a stump like that, you, you, you pucker up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. and, it gets scary. And you start swinging circles, and it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Been some interesting times out there. Don't like them when you can't see them. Yep. Biting chunks out of the foam <laughs> in the yeah. seat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Any others? Uh, I know we. someone talked about what – what, shotgun? Yeah, we had some shotgun questions. Oh, and chokes. I forgot that we, we jumped got, past we that got, choke We question. got choke tube questions. So, like, favorite choke tubes, what do you guys use? Yeah. I've, I use them all. Yeah, I was going to say, I've got a... <laughs> oh, you're that guy. No. No. <laughs> you're the guy <laughs> with the case, and you're like, okay, today I'm going to be using <laughs> no. the improved modified, and uh, if they do this, I'm going to put my full choke in. Yeah, I usually change about four times in a hunt. No, I'm kidding. I uh, I throw one in usually one at the beginning of the year and maybe late in the season maybe a long range but Carlson's mid range that's what I personally use mm-hmm. that's that's literally it goes in my gun year round yeah that's what I've been using mine's the black cloud version though mm-hmm. gotcha I was shooting a lot of black cloud shells last year well and originally the black cloud sh- uh, choke tube was made for the the older black cloud style mm-hmm. which had a Flight stopper wad, right? Mm-hmm. They so still do, but I think they they modified flex the wad. control. Yeah, flight. Yeah, they, something. They, now it's the a name. flex control, so it doesn't require that choke anymore. But um, it's still a good choke. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm loving it, it, man. I, I, yeah, I, and that's just that's what I shoot. Just a Carlson's mid range. It's it works for me. Now I've shot Pattern Master and I've shot other ones, but and it depends too you got to pattern your shotgun that should mm-hmm. tell you what choke to use mm-hmm. get out a pattern board or big chunks of cardboard and pattern your shotgun with whatever load you want to shoot and don't i mean you don't have to buy a case of everything just go go to a store or, you know buy a box of this that and the other and yeah. shoot them in different chokes and different yeah. speeds yeah i'd say start start with the chokes that come with your gun before you start spending 80 dollars on choke yeah. sure so and 
and do some research on, you know, if you're duck hunting and you know you're duck hunting a marsh, you're not going to be shooting ducks very far. I mean, you still want to get out there if you have them kind of skirting the edge. But uh, you don't have to go with a full choke. I mean, look at your, your modifieds, mm-hmm. improved mods, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So range. Some guys really love improved cylinder, which is, you know, when you're putting them on top of those decoys, that's mm-hmm. the one to shoot. I mean, it helps you out a little bit because your, your your spread's a little bit wider. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at some of the technology. If you want to really get the, the best performing uh, choke, look at some of the technology they have in them. I mean, from a pattern master having the watch stripper. Yeah. Um, Carlson has a TST, same thing, watch stripper. Yeah, it's got three rings in it. And yep. Yeah. You know, um, I've had really good luck with the Jebs. Mm-hmm. Um, Jebs makes a great choke and a great pattern. Tight so, pattern. Yeah. So... You know, and, and then also look up the type of shell. You know, we didn't even talk about different shell or pellet types. You know, a lot of t- people talk about bismuth needs a tighter choke than if you're running on steel. It's a different, it's, it just works a little bit different. So look up that. And like you said, pattern what you pattern the type of stuff you mm-hmm. want to shoot and pick your best one. Yeah. I mean, I never go tighter than a modified. Yeah. So Pattern Master Duck, uh, Code Black Duck would be good. The Jebs, they have a couple different, they actually give you the, the diameter. Um, and then the Carlson has the, the cremator. I've shot the, the regular steel waterfowl choke for years, too. Um, I think it's all better than the factory. So that's, a, that's our answer there. What do we prefer and use for shells? I've shot a ton of stuff, and I have too much, so I shoot mm-hmm. a hodgepodge, but... Um, I'm starting to, starting to chase the, like the, th- not, I think it's actually proven, but the theory of like the, the more square you can get your, your pellet stack inside the shell, mm-hmm. the better it's going to pattern. So what that means is they're saying that in a three and a half inch shell, that long stack of pellets is not going to pattern as good as a three inch ounce and an eighth, mm-hmm. which it's a little bit more of a square. The closer you can get to mm-hmm. the square, the, you know the better the pattern's going to be. So I've been switching over from ounce and a quarter, three inch to ounce and an eighth, three inch. And that's what I'm shooting this year. So, speed um, shock. and I'm not doing it because of the speed, because it's a 1550. No. I'm doing it because the, the pattern is a lot cleaner and, you know, well dispersed within <clears throat> your, within your circle mm-hmm. ring. Um, and this isn't just something we're making up. This is ammo manufacturers that are telling us yeah. this. So, you know, this isn't just willy nilly or oh, we think this pattern's better. That that's what several ammo manufacturers have said that you get that that pellet stack close to square. Yeah. So hmm. the better the pattern is. That's but, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's uh, we didn't know that for until we did a podcast, right? Or something yeah. Like that. So if you could get like a ten gauge, two and three quarter inch ounce and an eighth, I mean that thing will pattern lights out. But yeah. Kind of <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just has to. Go- I think it just has to do with the the escaping the barrel and everything you know when it's a longer string of pellets what what does that look like into a in a pattern is you know certain pellets are following each other kind of thing sure you know getting getting kind of stacked up and clumped up on top of each other mm-hmm. when you get something shorter they're, they're kind of spread out evenly and uh you don't have any holes or any you know clumps in your pattern which is what i look for i want to see a nice perfectly spread pattern and not a lot of flyers yeah. even disperse Yep. Dispersal rating. Mm-hmm. You don't I've, want holes. Yeah. I've patterned some. I patterned an old, an old Stoger a long time ago. Well, not too long ago, but um, about eight, ten years ago, with the factory choke, and shot into a uh, pattern board with a circle drawn up on it. And there was like holes in the pattern to where like a duck vital of some sort would definitely it would cruise on by because there's that many holes in the pattern. Just pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once you once I threw in the aftermarket choke, it completely changed. Everything was perfectly dispersed out. So, I mean, it does it does help. Um, I, I mean, I am a believer in aftermarket chokes. I think they definitely help. But that doesn't say just immediately get a new gun and throw out your factory chokes, because you may be surprised. But mm-hmm. I definitely think there's something to an aftermarket choke. Yeah. No, I've been really, really, really loving the teal steel three inch fives i've been shooting those for the past few hunts and i'm i'm really digging them yeah shooting some fives huh fives you gonna keep yeah. going with them yeah oh i bought a case so i'm gonna have to <laughs> <laughs> fold it up a spoonie yeah, yeah. 250 rounds here we go dude it, 
they are lethal. Brian's talking about shooting good dove hunting before season with a full, so he has to make sure to be more. He's accurate. Yeah. By the time he hits duck season, it's he's pinpoint. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, dove hunting with a full, you got to be on. On point. Plus, they're tenderized already. Yeah, they're to go. They're good to go. Some reason they point. don't hit the ground after you shoot yeah, them. Yeah, just, just feathers. Poosh. I mean, you hit a dove pretty well. I mean, they do go yes. poof. Can't imagine ten yards with a full choke. <laughs> what kind of poof you'd get? Yeah, yeah. Just a random John. He says he used the the mallard tree for dove hunting. You remember those? Oh yeah. Or uh, the ones that spin? No. Well, I mean, no, it's just, just just the mallard mat, mallard. Mallard Motel? Mallard Motel. And it's just like so many slots for spinning yeah. decoys. Mm-hmm. Putting so many dove spinners on that. I bet it was I bet it was kick butt. Fire. But, yeah. Um you know, me and Aaron. Okay, so Brian says he's trying not to take close shots yeah. or, else they, <laughs> or else there ain't much left of the dove. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, you get pretty, pretty accurate that way. Um one of your questions is about shotguns, you know. Um, me and me and Aaron have kind of been on the Benelli SBE train for a while. Yeah. Um, and you're over here with the Winchester XX4. Mm-hmm. So, so me and Aaron have been running inertia, and is the SX4? It's gas. It's gas. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anything? You en- I honestly, I've great. never had any issues yeah. with it really, other than an occasional three and a half inch yeah. shell jamming up. So you know, Beretta and Winchester, all these companies still use them. They got to be. They got to be fine tuned and mm-hmm. work well. The biggest I mean, thing I've noticed is picking up shotgun is find one that feels good to you. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely key. If it if it shoulders well and it fits your body really well, you're gonna mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, you'll notice like when you know, I I started out duck hunting with the Stoker, uh, which is a great gun. Still have it. Still let new hunters use it. Um, and then I went to a SB one, which is the gun I still shoot. I've got it Cerakoted, and it. it's my favorite. I don't want to get a new one because I love the feeling of it so much. Mm-hmm. It's It just swings well, and it, it fits me well. But And then, you know, some other people really love the feel of a Beretta or some, you know, different different companies, you know. Yeah, I like my Winchester a lot. Um, I shot a, a, a Supernova before I got that, and, you know, switching over from the Benelli sightline to the Winchester sightline. I honestly think I'm more accurate with the Winchester sightline mm-hmm. because a Benelli, the it kind of humps up mm-hmm. on the Winchester. It's pretty pretty straight across the top. Gotcha. So it's just a different sightline. Aaron shoots with his eyes closed. Yeah, so. I feel like it sometimes. <laughs> he just there's those days when I feel like if my eyes are open, right? Because ain't nothing falling when I pull the trigger. There's everybody has those days. There's those days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and gas guns tend to not kick as bad. Which could be, is could, that, that could be, yeah, could be, yeah, because it's, us- it's using it's mm-hmm. using that to help cycle the next shell, so it's mm-hmm. absorbing some of that. The inertia is a little bit different system, um, but uh, it might help you on your second shot mm-hmm. and your third shot. Hey, I went three yeah. for three the other day in Nebraska. Yeah, on teal. On teal. Hey. That's a uh, boom boom boom. Out. Yeah, the funny thing is like. The one group came in, and it was like three or four of them. I pull up to shoot, and then they whew, gone. So I'm sitting in my layout boat or my kayak, just gun up, sitting there, not moving, because right when I pulled up, another group buzzed right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting. I'm watching them circle around. I reached, I'm holding my gun with this hand, reach down, grab my teal call, give them a couple quacks, and then they come in, do it just right, boom, boom, and I get that one third one flying away. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Three for threes. Doesn't happen much. Doesn't no, happen all not the on time. Teal. How many not times on teal have, too? How many times? I don't think I've done sh- it on teal. How many times have you guys shot two birds with one shell? Ooh, a few handful of times, but that's about it. And I think it happened to me more on geese and ducks. I was going to say honkers I, is the only time I can even think I've done it. I don't think I've ever done it on ducks. And honkers, it, it really helps. And I did it. I did it last year, um, hunting a crosswind on honkers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when they they kind of get lined up perfectly, where you're just boom, and then yeah. two fall. I've yeah. done it countless times on Mallards. Usually two really? to three times a season. Yeah. Just get lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh. I did that on that solo field hunt I was telling you about from like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Pulled up on a Mallard. Got two, the one behind it, too. <laughs> two drakes? 
Yeah. Nice. I think so. Yeah. Any other questions? I can't think of anything that we've missed recently. Yeah. We have. You're going to be out there grinding this weekend, right? I don't know. You Maybe. Don't know. Maybe. We have till November for us for duck season, but yeah. that's all we can think about and talk about right now. I've just been on the road so much, yeah. traveling, Nebraska, Central Kansas. It's just it's taking it out of me. But that cold front that's coming through in two days. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah, tomorrow, it goes from like I know. 85 to 55. Low of 33 yes. in Nebraska. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are yeah. you? We'll see. Exactly. Sunday, everybody excited. Sunday early season goose hunting. I saw a ton of ducks. More ducks than geese, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so the cold front hit this could be could get some good good amount of bird pushed in our area. Could have used it last week. Yeah. It was stale in Nebraska. Yeah. But we need some rain. Yes. We need water. Yeah. Doesn't look good for water. No. No, no rain in the forecast. Looked at it this mm. morning. So John's asking before we get off here, it's the, the ammo supply of shotgun shells. And there's no guarantees on anything right now. Yeah, and and I would say take an inventory and look what you got now and, and jump on it now in October before it hits November. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're seeing record numbers in ammo and and you know, we are the probably the biggest waterfowl shell retailer out there. Uh we have a lot of steel shot shells and tungsten and all that stuff but if the trend keeps going when it comes to november and and more people are out because they're because they have the time or, yeah, yeah because they have the time to be out duck hunting the steel the steel supply could get crazy so if you see it available now take inventory get what you need for the year um sooner than later but we're doing we're doing good now so yeah. you know we're working really hard to keep our inventory to up to hang through this whole mm-hmm. waterfowl season we're still shipping same day or you know yeah. 24 hours so yeah we've increased our ship stations and done a lot of stuff this year already mm-hmm. it's going to be a blast we're getting ready for the november fun times yeah all the seasons hitting christmas seasons are coming around so it gets gets pretty crazy around here rodney thanks for the business man we appreciate your support yeah for sure um your protection We'll cover this last one here. Yeah. Okay. I'm, Josh, you, know, you, yeah. you got to talk about it because you, you're running some good stuff. Okay. So, yeah, hearing protection. I first started using it last year. But before that, you know, every now and then I was like, yeah, I should probably w- start wearing earplugs. Put them in at the beginning of the hunt. It sucks. You can't hear yourself calling. You can't talk to anybody. You can't hear the ducks, just like the foam earplugs. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you end up taking them out by the end of the hunt. Yeah. Or dropping um, them in the water. Yeah, you you just it it sucks. So last year I partnered up with Tetra and they make some amazing hearing protection. But with it being so great, it's kind of kind of expensive. The pair I'm running are the Tetra Alpha Shields, and they're the '60s. They come in at like 700 bucks, mm-hmm. but dude, it's worth it. Yeah, because I use before I got with uh, Tetra, like six months before I bought a pair of walkers and used those for a little bit. And comparing the two electronic hearing protections side by side, the Tetras are far superior. Um, they just, you're, everything sounds so natural, and you can, you can hear yourself calling. Gunshots sound pretty normal. Uh, you can hear the birds, like, when you get those early morning teal flights, and they're just, yeah. psst, you those hear that. airplane jets? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> everything you want to hear in a hunt, you can hear it. Because, it, I mean, they're made by hunters, and they are just they're designed for waterfowl hunting or whatever you choose to hunt because i know they got like pheasant ones and deer and deer turkey, turkey yeah. and all that stuff so they they really put a lot of work into them to really make them specific to what you hunt so yeah. i'm a big believer in hearing protection now yeah. um i always have been but i never liked wearing it so now that i found an option that i enjoy wearing it makes it a lot easier yeah i uh i haven't stepped up to that level yet mm-hmm. but uh some when I remember them, the I have some that have like the gasket, um, to where they're like an in ear. Mm-hmm. You can hear decent, and then once it hits over a certain decibel, that that gasket seals off. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones I have are from Primos, but I know there's a bunch of other options out there if you're if you're looking for affordable hearing protection that's not just the foam plugs. You know. Yeah. Sure. I mean, hearing protection is one thing in waterfowl that everybody thinks about, but they never talk about. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's kind of going to become a growing trend. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, gunshots and loud duck calling will make you go deaf. Yes. And yeah. I know there's been some research linked to hearing loss and like Alzheimer's and stuff too. So mm. And dementia. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. yeah, that's and serious stuff there. It's irreversible. Mm-hmm. You lose it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Can't buy a new one. So, all right, well. I think we're going to jump off here. All right. We've been on here quite a while. Over an hour now. Uh, we're probably going to do this more often, so if you have if you have some questions burning, just stay tuned. Yes. And uh, we'll try, Josh or us, we'll try to post kind of when we think about doing it and give you guys some time to get us some mm-hmm. questions ahead of time. And uh, we appreciate everybody jumping on the comments. Um, we're ready. Hopefully you guys are out there doing or getting ready. Yeah. Best of luck to you if you're already getting after it or if you soon will be. Yeah, hopefully you got your ducks in a row. All right. Anything else, Josh? Nope. Oh. Nope. Okay. Nope. Been great. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. For sure, guys. See ya.